So marathon morning comes around, um, driving down from Omaha with my wife. And we get uh, maybe 10 minutes outside of Lincoln uh, near a town called Waverly on the interstates. And I realized that I had not brought my running shoes. Diz Runs Radio, episode 970, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is once again brought to you by the book, which book? My book, Be Ready on Race Day, the book I wrote, uh, gosh, but it's been four years ago now, five, it hasn't been five years, has it? It can't have been five years, it has to only have been four years ago, uh, but in any event, it's it's been a minute since I wrote it, so many of you have, have heard me talk about it before, many of you maybe even have, have grabbed a copy, but if you haven't done so already, or if you're, if you're new around these parts and you haven't heard me talk about Be Ready on Race Day before, uh, it's a pretty simple book, I think. It's it's written to be simple, easy read, but more importantly, easily understandable, easily digestible, easy to put into practice what you learn to help you write your own training plan. Uh, you know, it, no secret, I'm no fan of a one-size-fits-all type of training plan, training model, uh, which is why I do what I do as far as coaching and, and making sure everybody gets their own unique plan there. But if hiring me or hiring any coach isn't, uh, you know, part of the budget right now, no worries. I get it. But that doesn't mean that you have to be stuck with some one size fits all POS, my words, but you know, you know where I stand, uh, training plan. You can get a copy of the book at be ready on or you can find it on Amazon. You can get the Kindle version, the print version, totally up to you either way. Uh, but you can then use that book and hopefully, uh, really put together a good training plan for yourself. Because what I try to do in the book is really outline step-by-step step everything that I do when I go through putting a plan together for somebody who's paying me. So, uh, you know, do it yourself, but hopefully have a good guide map to follow to really make a good quality comprehensive plan that will hopefully do what the title suggests and help you be ready on race day. So if you've got races coming up or you're just kind of struggling to put a good plan together, maybe without a race, but just to, to build some base and to put you on solid footing so that when a race does show up on the calendar, you're at a good place to get going with it. Either way, I think the book can help you. Uh, so check it out if you're so inclined. Like I said, be ready on com is the website. You can order it there. You can also just go onto the Amazons, one click it, and uh, get yourself a copy. Like I said, print or Kindle, whichever option works best for you. Uh, be ready on race day is the title. Just search for that and you will find it. And uh, now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, my uh, guest today is someone that uh, recently finished up running uh, 166 miles over the course of, I think it was six days, as part of the uh, MS Run the U.S. Uh, 2021 relay team. Uh, and uh, it, I was looking at his, his profile on, on their, their website, their fundraising page, and he says that uh, he's not a great runner, which, you know, I'm not going to hold that against him. I, I don't know. I, I, we'll, we'll discuss. We'll, we'll get into whether or not he's a great runner at some point maybe today. But clearly anyone who would dedicate himself to such a great cause uh, and to put in the effort required to do it 
is a, a pretty great person, which I think is, is maybe more important than being a great runner anyway. And uh, I'm looking forward to learning a bit more about him, his running, and uh, obviously his experience with uh, the MS Run the U.S. team this year. So without any further ado, it's a pleasure to be able to welcome uh, Mr. Quit, Mr. Chris Whitney to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Chris. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet, Danny. Pleasure to be with you. And uh, guys, if you want to kind of check in more with what Chris has got going on and find out more about him, his his page for uh, the fundraising, if you want to donate, obviously, even though he's finished, donations are always still accepted. Uh, ChrisRunsForMS.com is the website. And uh, on Instagram, you can find him at, at the handle at C-H-R-W-H-I-T-S. And uh, on Twitter, C-M Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y-L-N-K. So if you're uh, on the go, not sure kind of which which letters and how is it what, what are we skipping there uh you know where to find all the links as always disruns.com slash 970 disruns.com slash 970 is the link back for the show notes today photos links the whole nine as per usual so uh chris the way we always start off each episode of the show is with a a pretty simple question and uh for some folks it's an easy one to answer some folks it's a little bit more of a of a tricky one since there's a lot of good choices out there but in any event it gives us a good kind of launching off point to, to kind of get into the conversation. That's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? I think for me, it's the the half marathon. That's probably the one that I've had the most experience in, certainly as far as uh, my running uh, as an adult uh, after high school and things like that. But just always has significance for me. That was uh, my first marathon, half marathon was in 2010 was able to train it, run pretty well with a group of friends and felt pretty comfortable by doing it. And then, you know, fast forward about eight or nine years actually and was trying to do it well again, didn't have much luck, but then finally was able to buckle down and train for it really well and um, was able to break two hours again and then break 140 at my last half that I did back in November of 2020. And so haven't had a lot of experience running, you know, full marathons, at least in terms of a race capacity. Um, and some of the shorter distances, 5K and 10K, those have been kind of a new racing distance for me as well. But I think the half will, will always be kind of my favorite, at least it is right now, but uh, certainly looking to branch out a little bit more too. Yeah, fantastic. And that, you know, sub 140, that's, that's nothing to, uh, to, to dismiss. That's, that's getting up and, uh, and moving pretty good. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it felt pretty good. Um, the big mental block for me, I think, just getting back to the half distance and training again was after mile 10. And so once I kind of broke down that barrier, I was able to f- focus on time a little bit more. And the day that I was able to break 140, it was probably about 35, 40 degrees, a little bit of a stiff northwest wind. And most of the course actually ran to the northwest. So I woke up feeling a little nervous, but uh, it, it all worked out and was able to just get under 140, which was kind of my my absolute goal for the day. I would have been happy with a few minutes after that, but uh, it all happened. We were lucky. Yeah, well, that's that's the beauty. You put the you put the work in, and every once in a while, everything kind of comes together. Like the wind maybe wasn't your favorite, but the temperature was was in your favor, so you know it, it worked out, and, and you got it done. Absolutely, absolutely. So you you uh, kind of at least hinted that maybe you were a, a runner in high school as well, but but is it, it, I don't know whether or not that's the case, but just kind of curious, what what is your running history? Did you start early, or, or how'd you get started in the sport? So I guess more of a late bloomer, certainly. I did run in high school, but it was more sort of a participatory thing. I grew up playing uh, baseball, basketball, and soccer, and so um, somebody who wasn't very good. <laughs> at any of those three. Um, playing in high school was not really an option there, I guess, as somebody who went to a, a larger high school where sports were um, a pretty big deal, uh, to say the least. But so junior year, I started doing track and fields, um, went to kind of the middle distance route. So I was more of an 800 runner at that point and 
really wasn't uh, somebody who, who was that great. I mean, I would show up at practice, do the work, and um, when it was time to race, was not somebody that was going to threaten for any of the top spots or, uh, you know, even beyond the varsity really during that junior year. But so I was able to kind of just do that junior and senior year. I did cross country senior year as well. And then kind of a lull after that, um, didn't really run a lot in college. Um, as I alluded to earlier, getting into my first half marathon in 2010. So that was about the time I was 26 years old. So just kind of doing it off and on, definitely a participatory thing there, running with a group of friends, training with them throughout the winter months, and then having that half marathon to finish it all off in May. And so that was kind of where I got started. So I think from that point on, I'd always kind of wanted to get back into it, but, um, you know, various life choices, I guess, and just the how things work out as far as day-to-day schedules and the nature of the job I was in, which was working in uh, radio and television, not a lot of great hours necessarily. So that made it hard, but it was always easy to find an excuse. And so I think over the last couple of years, I really wanted to devote myself to it. And um, it, it's been a pretty good ride it's, uh, for about the last year and a half, just really buckling down, training well and uh, finding good results. Gotcha. Gotcha. W- was it something that from after that first that first half marathon until the last year and a half, two years or so ago, did, did you miss running or, or was it something that you didn't really, you hadn't really, you know, fallen in love with the sport yet for lack of a better way of saying it or, or kind of what was, what was your, your relationship? Like, was there a relationship to running at all or was it just kind of out of sight, out of mind during that, during that period? I think it was always kind of there. I always wanted to do it, but I think part of it was that I was, I was scared to go out for a run and have to walk. Mm. I know that's kind of a barrier that's, you know, as you, get more into running, you realize that that's not something to be scared of and something you should embrace. But I think at that time, my mindset was, oh, you know, always have to go hard all the time. Uh, You know, this is not something you walk at, that kind of thing. And so I think just my naivety and just being a a novice as far as all of that was concerned was something that was holding me back. And I was able to do other sports like I had growing up playing. I was able to play on some rec teams for basketball, uh, soccer, things like that. So I was able to occupy my time and be active. But it wasn't a thing where I guess a lot of my friends were also uh, running necessarily either. Some of them were kind of here and there, but the ones that were running and putting in the work, they were way above where I felt I could have been. So I was kind of scared and didn't want to go for it as far as that was concerned. But it was always kind of there. I always wanted to do it. I just wanted to kind of, you know, focus in on nutrition and be healthier as well. And so I figured running would eventually lead me to that point. But maybe I wasn't ready to fully embrace it and get into that lifestyle necessarily. So it was always something that was kind of in the back of my mind, but, um, you know, it took, took a long while to get back there. That, that's for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's, you know, one of the, the beauties of, of running, I think is that, um, it, 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 it doesn't go away quite like some of the, the team sport types of things can. I mean, you're able to find some rec leagues and that's, and that's fantastic, but you know, it, I just feel like as we get older, uh, and I'm right about the same age as you are, Chris. So, you know, we're, we're in that same ballpark where, you know, it's one thing to, to maybe find one person to go out and run with or just put your shoes on and head out the door yourself. But it's another thing to, to round up, you know, six guys, eight guys, 10 guys, whatever, to, to play some basketball or to kick the soccer ball around or whatever it is. Like, like it's just, it just gets harder and harder to do that. So running maybe becomes a little bit more appealing because you can do it at your schedule as opposed to, you know, being at the, the mercy of everybody else's schedule as well. Oh, definitely. And especially as, you know, we get older here as, you know, people in our, you know, 30s, um, you know, people have, 
lives that dictate otherwise. I mean, they might have kids, they might have jobs that have different schedules, things like that. So somebody who does not have children and has a, a pretty stable eight to five job, um, you know, it's uh, I have a little more freedom th than most, I suppose. But um, yeah, I think the big thing also is, um, you know, when I was running and having that success earlier on, it was running with a group of friends. And so I think once that kind of got away, our running group kind of, you know, we're doing different things. I really wasn't confident maybe being able to run by myself. And gotcha. so when I was able to get back into it was really when sort of the pandemic started, March of 2020, and able to uh, just really focus in on that because there was no other choice. Our gym was closed just up the street from us. It was like, okay, this is this is like the sign I need. This is the time to get back into it and really push myself. And so I was able to push through that barrier and really enjoy that kind of that quiet alone time where I'm able to run by myself now. Gotcha. And that was, that was going to be my next question was what was the catalyst that got you back into running? But yeah, I guess, I guess COVID did that to, uh, to more, for more than a few folks. Um, but when, as you got back into it last year, um, was it, was it something that, at least for me, you know, just for, I guess the context of the question, was it, was it enjoyable right off the bat? Because for me, it was a long process of, I didn't really enjoy running, but you know, it was something good for my health. And eventually it, it became a thing that I really enjoyed doing. Um, was it pretty quick for you or was it, was it kind of, um, like what was it, what was those first, or what were those first few months like as far as, did you really enjoy it? Was it something that you didn't have any other options? Kind of, how did that play out for you? Mostly it was, it was enjoyable. Those first few runs, I remember it was okay. We can, we can do three miles around the block. You know, we can, we can make this work a little bit of walking here and there. Okay. Maybe the next day it was four, uh, the day after that, maybe it was two. It just kind of depended on the day. And so I think early on, um, I was able to embrace the mindsets of bad days are going to happen. It's just a matter of pushing through those bad days because the next day might be a lot better. Maybe the next day will be bad too. It just kind of depends on how things go and whatever the case might be. Um, you know, you just kind of have to live with that. And so early on, it was definitely a struggle getting back up there to just kind of build endurance, to build miles and to have more bad days than or to have more good days rather than bad days. And so eventually it did get to that point. I guess I had a time goal too, where I wanted to run um, virtual marathon. I wanted to do a virtual half marathon. I wanted to run at a certain time. I wanted to break my, my time that I had run in 2010. So I wanted to be under 155. And so I was able to push forward through that. There were some days where it looked like I was, it just questioned why I was doing this. I'm like, you're the, you're the worst runner ever. Every runner's had those thoughts, I know, but you just kind of have those a little bit more frequently uh, starting out. And so I was able to kind of push through that a little bit more. I was able to get my time on that virtual race. And, um, you know, it just kind of gave me a lot more confidence. And so uh, now it's just those bad days are a lot more few and far between. And, um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm more equipped to handle those when they do come around. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's certainly... Uh you know, I wish, I wish there was some way to just eliminate the possibility of, of having those rough, those rough days, those days where it's just, nothing seems like it's working. The legs don't want to cooperate, but, um, but yeah, I think that the longer you're in the sport, the, the, the more experience you have, the more you just kind of come to recognize that, yeah, you know, all right, today's, today's just one of those days and either you grind it out or you shut it down, you know, kind of depending on, on what, what your mindset is and, and what's going on in your life at the moment. Um, and you know, with a little luck, maybe the next day or at least a couple days away, uh, things will start to swing back in, in your direction. But, uh, you know, so, so if I'm doing the timeline here correctly, um, you know, COVID time, March, like you said, March, 2020, you kind of get back into, into running, um, June of 2021, you're, you're part of the, the MS run the U S relay team. It's not a lot of a big turnaround from getting 
kind of back into running, you know, a little bit more seriously to, to embarking on something, uh, a challenge that is definitely pretty serious. So where did the seed for, uh, the, the, you know, hearing about the, the team or hear about the, the challenge of, of, you know, this team that runs across the United States to raise money for multiple sclerosis, like, like where did that come into the picture? I was just kind of randomly scrolling on Instagram during, I think it was maybe July or August of 2020. And so as you know, your interests sort of change, your, your Instagram algorithm mm-hmm. sort of change too with just random things that you look for and random accounts, videos that pop up. And so the, the one that popped up, it was uh, Christina Myatz, better known as Fireball, uh, was posting her mileage from running the, the virtual portion because they did virtual in 2020 um, running that. And so that kind of jogged my memory a little bit because as somebody who had worked in in media before, I'd remember remembered hearing stories and seeing stories that the local news had done on this relay coming through Lincoln because the routes did come through Lincoln, Nebraska, my hometown and where I currently work. And so that kind of got me thinking a little bit again. And as somebody who multiple sclerosis has had a pretty big impact on my life just from how it's affected my mom over the years. She's been uh, diagnosed since 1988. Um, It was something that I'd always kind of wanted to do something for, but I wasn't sure how to sort of dive into that community, whether it was, you know, doing a run or any other charity work or helping to fundraise for research, things like that. And so I kind of put all the pieces together. I was really excited about running still. I thought, oh, maybe this is something that I can do in 2022. I think I thought that maybe I wasn't quite going to be there in 2021, but I think it was probably about September, October rolled around. And I just, I don't know, I I woke up one morning, told my wife I was going to apply for the team and I did. And so I didn't have a lot of thought that I would be accepted or even have an interview or things like that, because at that time, my longest distance run was a half marathon distance. And and they do specify that, hey, you know, we can work you up. We have training plans. We can make this happen. So I filled out my applications, was kind of waiting, waiting, and then eventually was contacted for an interview and um, was fortunate enough to get placed onto the team. And so I don't think that I ever questioned whether I'd be able to do the distance. It was just a matter of making sure that I had time to get the adequate training in and and make it as comfortable as possible, which it was. It was a really good experience, and um, but definitely something if you'd asked me maybe a year prior, I did not think that was anywhere near the realm of possibility. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine, you know, if it, it, again, just doing the timeline, if a year prior, you weren't even really running much at all um, to think that, that uh, you know, in, in a year and a half from that point, oh, yeah, you, you know, 100 or a couple, couple years from that point, or, uh, 166 miles, six days, no no big deal. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, it, and, and I'd love to, to maybe dive into to this a little bit, and, and maybe there's nothing there, in which case we'll move on, but, you know, the idea of like, well, maybe this will be something for, for 2022, which which to me... You know, maybe take my, my runner brain out of it because, you know, the runner brain is like, yeah, just do it, do it like whatever, like go for it. You'll figure it out. You'll, <laughs> you'll make it happen. But the, the more logical reasons part of my brain would be like, that makes sense. You know, you, you just started getting back into running, kind of been, been, you know, somewhat serious about it for four five, six months at the time. Um, let's look, you know, another year out from net from now to maybe be applying for it, have a chance to, to maybe run a couple more races or at least certainly run some longer miles, like all that makes sense. So what was it that, that made you speed up the timeline and say, you know what, like they probably won't, I don't know, maybe that was it. Maybe they, they probably won't pick me, but like, why, why apply for it last year when it, I guess from the outside looking in would have made sense to wait one more year, get some more training in and and then apply for next year's team. I think the thought behind it initially was that, okay, even if I'm not 
got selected, like I can kind of get my name out there. And even though I, you know, didn't think maybe that I'd be selected, I just wanted to be a part of the organization, whether it was being an ambassador or just spreading the good word or, um, you know, trying to fundraise or things like that. And so when I sort of learned more about the organization and what Ashley Schneider and the rest of the folks at MS Run the U.S. had sort of been able to build um, since 2010 and then the, the relay once it began, um, in 2013 was just something that I really wanted to be a part of and wanted to lend anything I could to, whether it was fundraising or things like that. And so I think initially that was the thought that, hey, maybe I'm not able to run it, but maybe I have these other tools that can help and kind of set me up for success down the road. And so that was sort of the, the mindset, at least there. Um, but yeah, it was it was sort of surprising, I guess, when, when I kind of got those calls to interview because... Um, I had actually missed an email that was trying to set up an interview, so I was getting time to select the final finalists um, to announce the team um, in late October of last year. And so the interview for me, first one kind of took place one week, and then the second interview with Ashley took place shortly after that. And so the timeline went pretty quickly. It was about a two to two and a half week period where the, the contact had been made, the interviews happened, and then the team was announced. And so it was it was very quick, but it was very sudden. But yeah, that was kind of my initial thought was, hey, I just want to do anything I can for this organization that struck a chord with me. Um, sort of the reason for the organization and why Ashley formed it um, was was kind of similar to my to my story, I guess. You know, she did it for her mom. Um, she, it had had a profound impact on her life, and uh, certainly something that's has had a profound impact on my life too. So that was that was initially why I, I just thought maybe it'd be a good idea to throw my hat out there and see what happens. Gotcha. So, so you do so. And then, like you said, kind of a, a little bit of a blur at the end, a couple of quick interviews and, and, you know, Hey, congratulations. You're on the team. Was there any, uh, I don't know. Was there any second guessing? Was there any thoughts of, Oh man, what, what did I just get myself into? Or, or were you just pumped from the, from the get go? I think it was a combination of both. I think mm -hmm. when I, I was kind of, I'd set myself up to kind of think, Oh, this, this is actually going to happen. This is, this is something that's going to happen. And so, when that realization sort of kicked in, it was, all right, well, it's it's time to go to work. You know, I've got a lot more training to do. I would, I, that was about the time where I had run that sub 140 uh, for half distance. So I was feeling pretty confident. I was feeling pretty good. But obviously, uh, running a half marathon once um, is a lot different than running, you know, 25, 30 miles a day sustained for five or six days. So that was sort of the, the shift in mentality there. I had always thought growing up, hey, I'm never going to be crazy enough to sign up for a full marathon. And then certainly this came along and then I signed up for the full edition of the Lincoln Marathon, which took place this past May, about a month before uh, my leg of the MS run the U.S. segment. So it was kind of that shifting mindset of, OK, let's kind of move the goals a little bit higher and, uh, you know, let's get ready to work. Uh, you know, I think part of the reason why I came back into running and was so drawn to it was just, you know, you put the work into it. You put in what you um, you know, can, and, and I like to work. I like to grind as far as that's concerned. And it was something that I really loved to do. So I was, I was pretty excited once it all kind of came into fruition. Good, good. And that's, and that's, I think that, that, you know, kind of the personality trait of, of not being afraid to do the work, not being afraid to, to grind a little bit, uh, obviously for, for runners, for distance runners, that's, that's kind of a pretty key piece of the puzzle. Uh, but then, yeah, you, you look to back up, uh, you know, four, five, six days in a row of, of running that type of distance. Yeah. There's, there's some work that goes into it. There's some grinding that's going to have to happen. Um, what was, what was training like for you? You know, was it, was it, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll just leave it very much open ended. Like how did, how did, 
the training like schedule look? Was it a lot of back-to-back long runs, lots of miles? Like how did how did it go from you know the time that it was announced that you're going to do this, uh, leading up to the races? What was what did training kind of look like? It was a lot of back-to-backs uh, towards the end. There was it was a 16-week program that kind of kicked in. I guess for me it would have been about in February, somewhere in that time frame. But certainly over the winter months, I wanted to keep things up, and uh, you know I was running probably anywhere from 35 to 45, maybe even up to 50 miles a week, and just really wanted to keep that that regimen out there. And so I think it was from about early December. Um, I had been pretty much running every day, at least a couple of miles every day and thought maybe, you know, a run streak would be something that could kind of better prepare me for this. And so I was able to do that. I think we were pretty fortunate then because uh, we were working from home at that point. And so it was definitely part of the routine, whether it was over the lunch hour or maybe even at night, you know, after the workday was done, you know, five o'clock, head out the front door and, and go run. Um, so it was just part of the routine at that point. I was able to run outside pretty much the entire winter with the exception of maybe one or two weeks where it got really cold, but, um, I got to the point where I guess I kind of embraced the cold a little bit, you know, unless it got below zero and then it was, well, maybe we'll just do a few miles on the treadmill today and we'll, we'll, we'll hope for warmer weather tomorrow or something like that. But yeah, the training program, it was, it was pretty robust, obviously Saturdays, uh, long days, Sundays, um, you know, kind of the, the bounce back day, if you will. And so eventually it got to the point in the training just about a month out, the highest, the highest mileage week, it was, I believe it was 26 miles one day and then come back and run 19 the next. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of people that was kind of the, oh, okay, this is, right. this is how it's going to be. This is that moment where it kicks in, it gets a little more serious. And so I think to that point though, I had worked up pretty well and kept my mileage pretty consistent for about a month or two. I was running over 60 miles a week. And so I felt I was pretty ready. I think the main thing was just to get, you know, a lot of time spent on the road, a lot of time on your feet. That was the big emphasis that the the, the program had. And so I felt pretty confident in that and um, really started to dial back the pace and just focus on, you know, spending time out there and getting those miles, getting those miles in. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, an overlooked aspect of training, even if, even when it's just a standalone race, you know, even when it's just a, a one-time deal, but getting that time on your feet, getting, getting the miles and they don't know they, in fact, a lot of times it's better to not have them be all the time fast, all the time hard. Just, just get the time, get, get the work done. Um, and then, you know, when it's, when it's time to go, obviously you taper down a little bit, your legs get freshened up, you get the excitement mm-hmm. of, of the, the day. Um, and, and, you know, with a little luck, things kind of come together pretty well and you're able to have a good experience, but you, you mentioned, you know, that, that you'd signed up for the Lincoln marathon as well. How did, how did that play into, like, I'm assuming that maybe you just kind of treated that as part of a training run on part of the weekend, but how did that, that, uh, mesh with your training leading up to the, uh, to the relay? Yeah, the training went pretty well. Like I was able to put together some pretty comfortable, you know, 15, 18, 22 mile runs where I was running pretty much sub eight pace the whole time and been feeling pretty good. Like I I didn't really have a goal time for the marathon, I guess. Initially I thought, well, you know, let's try and break four hours. You know, it's not, maybe not my fastest, but it'll be something where I'll feel comfortable the whole time. I'll be able to get it done. And, uh, you know, it should work out pretty well with the training program because at that point it was more about just completing the distance versus any sort of time Mm -hmm. consideration. But so Marathon morning comes around, um, driving down from Omaha with my wife, and we get uh, maybe 10 minutes outside of Lincoln uh, near a town called Waverly on the interstates, and I realized that I had not brought my running shoes. Oh, no. That's a problem. Um, 
Yeah, it's a problem, but it was it was it was a stupid problem for a couple of reasons. One, I had kind of been waffling between <laughs> a pair of new-ish shoes that I'd put in some miles in, but they you know they've been broken in just a little bit, and another pair that were a little more broken in. Um, but so I had not made up my mind when I woke up in the morning and just the hustle and bustle of getting around in the morning, I forgot to put either pair in my car. So that was a problem uh, because obviously not a lot of places, especially running stores, are open necessarily at 6 a.m. on a Sunday. But fortunately, I had been wearing just a pair of that were now everyday shoes, but were formerly running shoes. So these shoes were long past their prime, but did still have a little bit of tread left on them. And so I was that was that was pretty much the route that I had to go. So I think that fortunately did not play into my mind a whole lot until the later miles where I started to have some kind of blisters pop up and mm-hmm. things like that. But um, the, the race itself went really smooth. The first half was incredibly comfortable. The last half it started to get warmer. Uh, it was kind of a humid day. Um, but I think I reacted pretty well to the conditions and ended up finishing in three hours and 40 minutes. So it was... Um, it was a pretty good experience. Um, I'd had a lot of people talk to me about the second half of the marathon when you do the full, because obviously I'd run the the half plenty of times, mm-hmm. but the second half of the course, not as many spectators out there. It's a little more open. The conditions start to beat down on you a little bit more. And so I think I was pretty prepared for that. And um, it was overall a pretty strong day. I'd like to think that if I <laughs> maybe worn the, the right shoes that I'd been waffling between, that uh, the time might have been even a little bit better. But overall, I think that 340 time, I was overall pretty pleased with. And at the end of the day, it's just something that my wife will never let me end down, uh, the fact that I forgot to bring running shoes to a marathon. Yeah, Um <laughs> and I know you're getting ready to laugh at me too. <laughs> no, no, I'm getting to la- ready to laugh with you because I I have a similar story of forgetting my shoes on race day before. Oh, so, okay. Okay. um, at least there's two okay. of us. There, there's two of us in the pantheon of runners now that that can say that. Uh, for me, it was I had my flip flops on uh, because I wear flip flops living in Florida, like literally 365 days of the year. Um, and uh, going to a Disney race, was staying over at, at Disney the night before. Um, had, had two, same, same, same type of situation, had two pairs of shoes, wasn't sure which one I was going to wear, um, and left them both in the hotel room and, and in the car. And, and, you know, not that we're that far away, but it, I was pushing it as far as time, but thankfully I had trail shoes in my car. So I ran a half marathon in trail shoes. Um, again, not the, maybe, maybe not the, uh, ideal situation, but you know, it, it beat running in the flip flops and, and so got it done. But yeah, I, I have many folks listening right now that are like, yeah, they, they will never let me live that down either. So, uh, so yeah, you you made it through. You you got it done. That's what that's all that matters. Absolutely, I guess I'm definitely in good company then. And so I think even that experience just sort of prepared me for MS run because the the thing that I found out on the road and I heard from other runners was that hey, things are things are gonna go not as you plan them to. And I think that's you know kind of how most people look at running as far as, you know, their, their race day routine, there's always going to be some little thing that sort of pops up. And so that experience, I think prepared me for, for what I would eventually see on the roads, you know, running all those miles over a course of six days. So then that's the, you you teeing me up and I'm not going to, not going to let that pass by. So let's dive into it. You know, you get to, uh, you, you get done with the first marathon and it went pretty well, especially considering that you didn't bring the shoes that you were planning to bring. Um, but you you come out of that getting ready, you know, about a month or so away is, is the, the relay itself and, and June starts to roll around and, uh, you're ready to go. How did, how did, you know, what, what was the, uh, the feeling, what were the emotions like? Um, and, and 
again, not, I don't know, again, this has been something that's been in my mind, but like, not coincidentally, Reagan is coming in to, to finish up, and who I just interviewed as we're talking today, just interviewed her yesterday, she'll be the, the episode that comes out before this, so it's perfect poetic timing that she finishes her, her leg of the relay and hands the baton off to you, but as, as that's happening, what, what, what's kind of the thoughts, what's the, uh, the, the feelings that you're having getting ready to embark on you know, several days of uh, running marathons every day? My man, I was so ready to go after the marathon. Like I, I was ready to tackle anything. Like you could have thrown any race at me, any distance. I was just like, I need to do this now because I was just chomping at the bit. I was doing more kind of media spots with it, you know, telling the story of the organization, telling my story over and over again, and which was great. Obviously, the awareness parts and, and you know, getting people interested in the in the relay and having them, you know, contribute any way that they could. Um, that was an important part, but I was just ready to go out there and run. I, th- I felt from a physical standpoint, I, I was ready to go. It was that tapering down stage. And so I was feeling pretty ready. And so it seemed like that month or so between the end of the, the Lincoln Marathon and the start of my relay leg, um, that month seemed like it was about five. It just <laughs> time crept on so slowly. And it, it was just kind of hard to, I guess, stay focused on that at that point and, you know, kind of realize that, hey, you need to need to amp down just a little bit. And so very first day I was running from, uh, starting from Ray, Colorado, which from, from Lincoln, um, elevation wise, Ray's about 3,600 feet up, maybe somewhere in there. So it's not high up in the mountains or anything, but it's mm-hmm. quite a difference from where, you know, Lincoln and Omaha are, which are about a thousand, 1500 feet, uh, further below sea level than that. And so I got out there the first day in Ray, it was a really humid day. It was foggy. Um, temperatures were maybe in the seventies or so. But I just got out there, and my first 10-mile segments I had done, it was really fast. Mm-hmm. And I definitely paid for it, the, the, the segments <laughs> after that, to just to wrap up that first day. I think I, I'd run about an 840, 850 pace, somewhere in there for those first 10. And then the next 10-mile segment was slower, and the 10-mile segment after that was <laughs> slower too. And so I was really kind of, okay, need to, need to slow this down, which I had kind of felt was maybe going to be the case, but that was a big learning experience for me and one that served me well later on. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that, that whole pacing thing is, uh, is something that I don't care how long you're, you're running and, and, you know, running races. It's, it's always something, at least, I guess, at least for me, always have to be aware of at the start of, of any type of race and anything that you're excited about, uh, that the tendency is to go out a bit too fast and yeah, you pay for it. Um, how, how were you feeling the, the, the next day? I mean, after, after going out a bit too fast the first day and still having to, to you know, slog, slog through some miles after that, um, smooth, I don't know, did, how, how well did you recover the night before, you know, that, that night in between? How, how did you feel on, on day two and the subsequent days? So it took me a few days to kind of get dialed in. I had had some conversations with runners that had done this previously from the Omaha area. And so the common theme that they kind of shared with me was, that, you know, your body is going to eventually come around to it by about day three, maybe day four, where you just wake up and, okay, I guess we're doing this. Let's go. So I woke up the second morning, uh, start day two, and was a little nauseous, I think, just because my nutrition hadn't quite caught up yet. I hadn't discovered that, hey, you need to keep this constant stream of food going into you because you're out there burning so much. And uh, you know, using all of this energy, you need to replenish that. And so I think naturally for me, when, you know, conditions are hot, or so you get done with the run, like 
eating is one of the last things I want to do. And so I just got into that mindset of, okay, let's just keep a constant stream going. Let's kind of do this. And so by about the, I think about the fourth morning, I woke up to start the fourth day. That's when I actually kind of felt like pretty good, but it's waking up on mornings two and three didn't feel the best until I was able to eat and kind of get ready for the day. But after that first day finished up, I was pretty fortunate to have the second day start with one of my good friends that I've grown up with over the years and run with over the years. Um, him and his family were actually heading the other way towards Colorado for a family vacation. So he stopped and was able to run with me for a 10 mile segment. And so that was the very first part of the uh, of day two. And so I think having him there was really able to sort of settle me down a little bit. We were able to, you know, settle into a nice pace, chat, just enjoy the moments and kind of have him go on his way after that. But that sort of settled me down on day two, had some friends that ran with me on day three. And so I think by the time I was able to work through those first three days, like I really started to feel stronger and really sort of embrace it a little bit more. Not that I was scared or kind of shying away from it, but just kind of, some of the various body things, you know, you start to get aches and pains and you're like, oh, how can I push through this for you know 30 miles this day or another 130 because that's how many I have left to do in this relay segment? How is this going to happen? But I think once kind of the end of day three happened and, the, and the, it was about the halfway point, that's when I really started to feel confidence and was really able to, to dial into everything and really put forth my best effort, I thought. Yeah, that's that's um, I, I've heard that from folks that have done, whether it's the MS Run the U.S. or just other any other of the multi-day races challenges things like that is usually like day two day three are, are like that's when your body is going what the heck's going on and if it, as long as the event continues on past that um things start to to come together a little bit so and and nice for you to have had some company on those those couple of harder days uh, at least to kind of maybe take your mind off it a little bit and, and help you uh you know keep your eyes on the prize as it were and, and keep going when it when your body hadn't figured it out all quite just yet yeah, definitely. And so I think that it was kind of twofold as far as the importance of having those people kind of run with me. A, for, for that reason we just mentioned, you know, just having the, the ability to sort of settle down with everything. But um, I think for the most, maybe a more important reason for me at least was this was such an emotional thing for me um, for doing the MS run and, and trying to do this, you know, for my mom and for my friend Kevin. Um, so I think, you know, maybe initially on, I was kind of worried that I would start to think more emotionally about it while I was running. Obviously, it's motivation and why you're doing it, but I didn't want to get caught up in, um, you know, just some of the the points of just being, you know, overly emotional with, you know, why it was happening or, you know, kind of using that. And so that was able to kind of keep my mind off it just a little bit more. And so I, I kind of it, it told myself that I didn't want to start to think about the emotional aspect of it as long as possible, but definitely maybe not until the last day where I was kind of getting ready to finish things up. And so I was able to do that and kind of just kind of focus on the journey itself and enjoying the the run, enjoying the, the time with the crew members, Haley and Malcolm are, are just the best, as I'm sure you've heard from, from Reagan and others, but, but um, just being able to enjoy the moment and soak it in and, and not focus on sort of either the fatigue, which obviously that was a thing when you're running 30 miles a day, but uh, the the emotional toll that's obviously the whole journey had kind of taken up to that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, the overlooked piece of the puzzle is is the crew, is the the family support, things like, I, 
I, I say overlooked, easy to overlook, but vitally important. And, and when you when you stop and think about it for a second, you're like, oh man, these these folks that, that are keeping me going, keeping me fueled, keeping me you know on the right course, all that kind of stuff makes a makes a big difference. You know, looking at at the at the the days, the the week or so uh, as a whole, it sounds like from what you've said so far that you know a couple of of rough patches here or there maybe, but like for the most part, went pretty smoothly. Is that is that accurate, or were there some some moments where things got a little bit tough, uh, you know, along the way? I'd say that's pretty accurate. I think probably from a physical standpoint, just surviving that first day um, was a pretty big issue. Uh, starting day three was actually the best weather. Um, it was about 47 degrees. It was kind of a cool morning to start, which um, Nebraska summer in June, uh, this summer, no exception. Um, you know, high temperatures would get up into the, the 90s. Um, it'd be quite humid at times, too. Not a lot of clouds in the sky at some points. And so um, it was nice to have a cool morning like that. But day three, I left me and sort of the inside of my my right foot had kind of hurt a little bit. And I kind of attributed that to just the, uh, the gray, the slant of the highway running on the shoulders. And so one of the things that our coach, uh, Coach Caitlin Yonke, had told us was, that if you start to kind of experience some pain after the first or second day, you know, maybe switch sides of the highway and hopefully that will help out. And so that started that third day, I was still on the left side of the highway, you know, facing oncoming traffic running. Um, my knee was hurting pretty decently. I, I was just kind of nervous about, you know, I've still got a hundred miles to go at this point. Can I really do this if my knee's hurting like this? But so I was able to kind of walk, warm it up a little bit, get it ready to go and then switch sides of the highway. And then after that it felt fine for the rest of the road but other than that i'd say those are probably the the two biggest issues and uh, i was certainly fortunate because other people have you know had other things kind of pop up where it's been a little bit more difficult for them but i think the combination of being able to stay healthy like that and maybe having one of the the easier segments i suppose in terms of just like constant elevation it was pretty flat for the most part even a little downhill um i think that really made my experience a very enjoyable one to say the least good good well, you know, I, I don't know if it's if we're at the point or if you're at the point of really being able to uh, really reflect on it yet. I mean, I'm sure there's been lots of reflection, but, you know, only only quote unquote, only being a couple months away from it. Maybe maybe as time continues to tick and there's a little more distance, uh, maybe there'll be even some more kind of insights or, or reflections or, or, you know, lasting memories or things like that. But, you know, it, it, with it still being relatively, you know, close, close at hand. What are what are the overall thoughts, the overall reflections that, that you have so far? I think it took some time to sink in, but it was it's definitely an amazing feat. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe after it had happened initially, it was like, oh, I'm just, you know, one of one of a team doing it. But kind of going back and, you know, even just still talking to friends and family about it now that they were you know, saying that they were super impressed with with doing it and things like that um, kind of drives the point home that it was a pretty um, pretty awesome experience and good thing to do. And so I think one thing that's, you know, I, I found pretty quickly after the event had ended, um, and started to hear more about was, Hey, there's, there's something called the runner's blues. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna feel like, okay, what's next? Like I did this thing and like, what do I do later? And so I think when I was getting ready to wrap up maybe the last couple of days, like I'd started to have those thoughts in my mind just a little bit. Obviously this is not in the, (laughs) the same plane of existence or importance, but I'd always gone back to, some some biographies I had read and seen about Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, you know, guys that had walked on the moon, they get back to earth and it's like, what now? Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do you top that? And so that was kind of something that I had thought about, you know, not even just from a physical athletic standpoint, but 
just the, the fundraising and, and doing this from a personal standpoint, it's like, okay, you've been working towards this for so long, like what kind of happens now? So that was a big struggle for a couple of weeks after the relay ended, just to try and find my place again, get back to, you know, a normal routine, both, you know, running and, and just day-to-day -day life. But I think once that kind of got a little bit easier, um, just to kind of settle in and just realize that, hey, you know, you work for this, but there, there's other things to go work for after that. It's just kind of a, a cycle that continues and you just have to find the things that you want to work for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I know some folks that have, have uh, you know, like you said, talking about the, the runner blues a little bit um, that that are always sure to, to have something else signed up for before they before their big race. So like it, it might be six months, eight months, it might be a year down the road or even beyond that. But it's like, all right, I'm going to finish this race and I'm going to enjoy it and, and recover from it. But I know what the next thing is. Do, do you have, at least as far as running goes, do you have a next thing yet? Not that you need to, but is, is there anything that you've kind mm -hmm. of, you know, moved towards in that direction? Or is it still kind of a, a pretty blank slate at this point? Um, I'd say it's pretty open. Um, I'd like to do the relay again at some point in time. Uh, not this next year, I don't think. Uh, obviously, I want to have as many people that want to experience that as they can. I think that they've got a pretty good uh, group of people that they can select from from 2022, but just to continue to spread the word for MS Run the US and just to you know keep awareness up for the disease that is multiple sclerosis. So on that front, I think I'm pretty solid. So I've got some races coming up here in the next few months that are gonna be half marathon distance. And so just kind of focusing back in on that, uh, trying to set up some speed goals and, and things where I can really work towards um, maybe a lofty goal. We'll see how it goes, but I like to break 130 um, for that. So that's um, that'll be quick. That'll take some time to do, but getting into some of the speed work and just the various training that's not just, oh, let's go run 10 miles at whatever right. pace outside. Hey, let's focus in. Let's do this four-mile workouts you know, quickly. Let's, let's, let's push the tempo a little bit. But those are some things that have kind of gone out there. And obviously, as a common goal, anybody, I think that gets out to running, you want to qualify for a big race. And so I think by the time I'm 40, so I've got a couple of years left in me, um, would like to qualify for one of the big races, whether it's Boston or, um, you know, one of those others, mm -hmm. um, that's, that's kind of the big goal. And so obviously that'll take a lot of work. I know the training that'll have to go into that and, and hopefully it's something I can do, but, um, you know, that's kind of the next big goal that's, that's way out there. But I think in the meantime, We'll try and focus in on some of those more localized races and just try and have a good time, have some fun with friends that want to run and, um, you know, have some of those time goals as well. Yeah. That, having, having fun. That's always the, uh, the most important part. And, and certainly you've got the base underneath you to build some, some speed on top, which is, you know, that that's the, the, the coach part of me coming out now, but that's the first, that's the first step. If you, <laughs> if you don't have the base, it's hard to get the speed, you know, it's hard to get the lasting speed on top. But once you have that, that base going, uh, then you can really start to make some progress. So hope that, uh, that goes well for you. So we're getting, getting close to wrapping up, Chris, a couple, a couple other questions, something that, that I feel like I, I, I try to ask just about everybody who's done a, a charity race. Uh, and, and, you know, with you saying that maybe, maybe doing this again, somewhere down the road, obviously that means fundraising again down the road or, or you know, fundraising anyway, but, but if you do the, the team again down the road, having to raise a big chunk of money for it, um, you know, how, how, how did you find the fundraising this time and, and what worked for you? Because I know for myself and I know for some other folks, like that's been a, a sticking point of doing a charity race in the past is, is, I don't know. I don't want to ask for money and, and, and that whole type of situation. So, you know, you raised over $16,000 for, for the, the cause this year, which is, which is incredible. Um, uh, but, but how did you kind of go about the fundraising component? I think it was something that I just tried to be consistent with. It wasn't something where I was posting every single day, 
about it mm-hmm. or you know asking people money and even when I would post I'm not somebody who posts an awful lot on social media but, but um, it was something where I would just try and be consistent you know say something like oh went out for a run today even though it was um, you know really cold or really snowy or something like that and just kind of always letting people know that I was out there putting in the work and willing to be diligent about it and so I would hear from people further down the road even after the the relay had finish that, you know, hey, this was this was pretty inspiring. This was something that I enjoyed following your journey. I enjoyed hearing the story behind it. You know, this was really cool. And so I think I, I kind of underestimated how much of an impact that would have. But I think it all goes back to just sort of being, you know, being fun with it, having fun, you know, obviously imparting that, hey, this is a big deal. And here's why it's a big deal. But also able to, you know, have some fun with it, but not overdoing it. So it was kind of a fine line to walk there. I guess I would post certain things maybe on Facebook versus Instagram versus Twitter. And obviously, um, you know, everybody could see the work that, you know, you're doing on Strava's. That was, uh, you know, something that you, you, the workouts are tracked, obviously. But um, it was just kind of trying to reach different audiences, I suppose, and, and just different, um, you know, different people and having pretty good success with the media outreach. I think certainly one thing that worked in my favor was just having that background and those contacts in radio, television and newspaper. And so, I was able to get my personal story told a lot of different places and the organization's story told a lot of different places too. So um, that was something that was pretty pretty fortunate for me that maybe not a lot of other people that fundraise for charities have at their disposal. But I think just the combination of that, just being consistent, but, but trying not to overdo it, I guess, um, and just kind of setting you know fundraising goals like, hey, I'd like to, you know, I've raised 10,000, but maybe let's try and get to 12.5, okay? Mm-hmm. We got to 12.5. Maybe let's try and get to 15 by the time I start. Those types of things. And um, just very fortunate, very blessed to have so many people in my corner, total strangers even that, um, you know, were, you know, they'd, they'd had a personal connection to MS, whatever it was. And for some reason, this maybe struck a chord with them. And, um, you know, people are people are very amazing. They can do generous, very good things. And you just have to believe that it will happen. And unfortunately, it did for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, like, like you said, and, and the thing that, that struck to me when you said, you know, you had the, the contacts in the media and that, that helped and not everybody has those, but everybody has something, what, you know, whether it's play, you know, some, some thing at work where maybe there's a company match and you can lean into your work colleagues and they can give 50 bucks, but then the company gives 50 bucks so every, you know, it, like it, it can add up that way or whatever it is, but you just, you know, lean into your network, lean into, um, you know, the, the, the opportunities that you, that you have. And, uh, it's certainly what, what worked for me. Um, when, when I did my fundraising event, uh, a couple of years ago, um, and, and, you know, not, not making any declarations yet, but I'll do another one at some point and, and, you know, <laughs> continue to learn some things and ask some folks and, and, and get some of that money that way as well. So as we're, as we're getting to the point of, of wrapping up, Chris, uh, one last final question for you, I call it the, the philosophical question, which is just kind of like the intro question, very open-ended, take it whichever way you want to go with it. And that's where we'll wrap up today. But just curious, you know, this, this last year and a half of really getting back into running, then obviously stepping up to a pretty big level of running with, with the MS runs the U S and, and, and the, the team and, and the 166 miles, um, you know, in, in, in this kind of, like I said, year and a half of getting back into running, what have you learned about yourself from this journey or from this, this segment of the journey, I guess, uh, that, that, is something that, you know, whether it was from the event itself or the training or, or whatever, uh, can you, can you point to anything that you've learned in the, in the last year and a half, uh, that, that is really going to you know be something that sticks with you and, and use in running and, and beyond going forward? Something that I, I'd kind of known before, but it was certainly hammered home at this point. 
um, is that the running community is awesome. It doesn't matter what part of the country, what part of the world you're in. Um, people that are runners are fantastic. Like they, they support you in whatever you're doing, whether it's training for a hundred mile race or just getting somebody off the couch to do a 5k or even just, you know, a mile race, whatever it is, uh, runners are supportive. They, they see what you're doing. They, they want to be a part of it and they want to make sure that you get to your goals and what you're doing. And so while I was running a lot more by myself in training, it was sort of those last few months where we were running with groups of people again and running with complete strangers and telling them the story that I think it really started to be even more fun than it was before. I mean, it got to the point where, you know, I was somebody who, if I, if I didn't run for whatever reason on a given day, like the day just didn't seem quite complete. It just didn't seem like my routine was there. It didn't seem like I was able to you know, enjoy my day, honestly, um, in a lot of ways, but it's, so it kind of branched out from there to where now it's like, I really enjoy telling the story and having that camaraderie with runners that I may know or runners that I don't know. And so, so I think that was one thing that was really hammered home is that, you know, we all have things that we're out there trying to do. We all have goals, whatever it might be, but whether it's running or anything else, um, that support that you get from other people, friends and family, even complete strangers, um, you know, that, that might be the missing piece. And not only that, but a lot of times it's what makes it worth doing. Um, you know, the heart is what makes it great. That's one of my favorite sayings, uh, homage to uh, Tom Hanks from, uh, uh, you know, League of Their Own, uh, that famous phrase. But, you know, hard things are great because they're worth doing. And so that was, I think, uh, another big thing that was hammered home. But just embracing that community, just getting into it with other runners and, and just sort of being supportive of everybody and everything that they do. I think those were the, the biggest things that I kind of took over this, this last year and a half to two years. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and I've been nodding my head the whole time. Just, yep. Yep. That makes sense. So I'm pretty sure I'm not probably not the only one. So guys, if you want to, you know, continue to follow along with Chris, maybe support him, you know, if, if you enjoyed the story today and, and you want to kick in a little bit towards, uh, the, his, his fundraising, but obviously, you know, it goes towards the, the organization itself, MS run the U S uh, Chris runs for ms.com is the website. And if you want to follow along with his journey and what's, what's next to come, uh, on Instagram at C H R W H I T S on Twitter at C M Whitney L N K C M W H I T N E Y L N K Dizruns.com slash nine seven zero. As always, we'll have the links, we'll have the the photos, we'll have everything from today, kind of Cliff's Notes version uh, up there. Dizruns.com slash nine seven zero for anything that you want to reference back. So, uh, Chris, thank you for uh, for making the time today. Congratulations again on on a heck of a. Uh, six days of running uh for a great cause raising some some much needed money to support the cause uh certainly uh you know wish you nothing but the best going forward and uh you know maybe somewhere along the line we'll settle up and do this again but again great job congratulations and thanks for the time today hey it was my pleasure appreciate all that you're doing denny and uh yeah hopefully we can we can link up for another run one of these days all right Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Chris and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what was your takeaway from our, our conversation today? What was that thing that stood out f to you today? Uh, for me, there were a few. There were a few, but the one I'm going to go with is uh, from earlier in the episode when Chris was talking about just kind of, you know, having some some rough days when he was training, you know, some days that you know, maybe he didn't feel good or the energy wasn't there. Or the legs felt heavy or the pace was off or whatever the case might have been. We, we didn't get too much into the weeds on it. But I, I think it's one of those things that is easy to forget that everybody has 
those those days. Everybody has days where things don't seem to be lining up, don't seem to be going smoothly. Yet it's easy in the social media world to lose sight of the fact that other people have those days because we all know we have them, right? Like I know I have days where it's a slog to get out there. And I'm sure that you know that you have those days as well, but it's, it's easy to lose sight, especially for folks who are quote unquote better than you. However you define that. We all have that, you know, that, that metric we're going for in terms of distance, in terms of consistency, in terms of paces, in terms of whatever. And when you see somebody who's running faster or farther or whatever, more frequently than you are, it's, I guess I'll just speak for myself. It's easy for me to look at them and be like, God, I wish that I could do X, Y, Z. I wish that I could keep up with so-and-so, right? But I never think of the fact that they probably have some rough days. And then when I have a rough day and it's like, oh man, I couldn't even do what I normally do today. And -and so-and-so killed it again. Like it's just, it's just easy to get, to start playing that judgy game where you're judging ourselves. You're holding, holding, I'm holding myself to a standard against somebody else's maybe highlight reel, or at least maybe I just, I just miss the days that they struggle and just only see that, you know, on social media, see the days that they do really well, or that it seems really super effortless or whatever. And just be like, ugh, don't forget. And as per usual, this is as much for me as it might be for you. It may not be for you. Maybe you don't struggle with this, but don't forget that they have rough days too, that it's not easy for them every day. Just like it's not easy for me every day, it's not easy for other people every day, it's probably not easy for you every day. And that's just part of the process. That's just part of being a human, right? That's, that's part of, of having other things in our lives beyond running. You know, it's family, it's work, it's other responsibilities. And oh, by the way, even for those who eat, sleep, and breathe running, the professionals out there, they have bad days too. So easy to, easy to remember. And, and, you know, obviously, like I said, Chris brought it up and it was like, oh yeah, no kidding. Um, but easy to forget, easy to remember in a time like this, easy to forget when you're out there at mile two and everything's just, ugh. how come I'm always having these bad days? Well, you're not hate to break it to you. You're not alone. You're not that unique snowflake that only has, uh, that, that is the only one that has a bad day. We all have a bad day. I need to remember that. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but that's my takeaway. It's just a reminder that, you know, when you have a day where it's just not working, eh, congratulations. I'm a human. Move it on. Hopefully tomorrow will be a little bit better. So that was my takeaway. But what about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Let me know. At DizRuns on Twitter, at DizRuns on Instagram. You can also send an email to DizRuns at gmail.com. And you can also head over to the show notes for today, which you can get to at disruns.com slash 970. com slash 970. We got the links. We got some photos from Chris. We got all the things. And if you scroll on down there to the comment section, we've also got the comment section, which you can utilize to tell me your takeaways from today. While you're on the website, you can also find in the sidebar, if you're looking at it on a computer, if you're on your phone, I don't know, you might have to scroll down a little bit to find it, maybe past the comment bar. Uh, but there is a, a, a link right there to be ready on race day. So if you think the book might help you, put your training plan together or just put your training together. Maybe you don't have a plan for a specific race. You're just trying to get some decent work done, building your base up. The book will help you with that as well. Be ready on race is the website. Like I said, it's also there on, on, on the website. It's also, also on Amazon. Just search for be ready on race day and you will find it. And, uh, if I can help you with anything, let me know, let me know. There's, there's some, there's some Easter eggs in the book too, about ways you can, you know, get a few extra little bonuses and phone calls and things like that. So, you know, don't be afraid to take advantage of it. 
Uh, but anyway, be ready on race day.com. Be ready on race day is the book title. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, Hey, hit that share button, tell a friend about it. And, uh, if there's anything we can do to help you, like I said, let me know, but uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate your attention. And until next time, y'all be well, take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? See you guys.